Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is March 8th, 2023, Anno Domini. Today's top stories, the deep fake wars continue. We told you they would, and now they shall. Next, Ukraine denying involvement in the Nord Stream pipeline blasts. Third, Politico has come out with a new guide to banned words. And by the way, happy International Women's Day. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. Let me tell you something, the deep fake that Jack Posobiec made of President Biden is grounds for treason. That is our commander in chief. And Pozo is nothing but an agitator and a troll. First, he harassed me with his January 6th maps. How does he even sleep at night? That deep fake took it too far. This is dangerous to democracy. And honestly, this is white supremacy. And Elon Musk is complicit. Wait a second, I'm not finished speaking. The images of the Ukraine war are horrific, and you know who this war victimizes the most? BioPC and LGBTQ plus communities. These media displaying these images re-victimizes us from traumas our communities suffered over centuries of white oppression from 1619 all the way to George Floyd. Look, I get it. Some people think we're spending too much money on the war in Ukraine, but this is America. We will never run out of money. And if it means putting an end to white supremacy here and overseas, we will spend our last dollar to do it. And that's not a deep fake. That's the truth. And that's not a deep fake. That's the truth. Of course, that was a pre-creation designed, scripted, and created by those of us here at the Human Events Daily team. Now, why did we decide to go ahead and make another pre-creation on this. Well, we have to continue pushing this conversation forward. We do. We need to push the conversation forward. And we know that AOC absolutely holds these sentiments. And that is why we are going to make sure that these sentiments are covered and covered dearly. Because at the end of the day, when we're looking at is World War III. You know, I took a lot of heat. I took a lot of guff for that first video of President Biden, President Biden coming out as if he was declaring a draft. Because I said, this is what would happen if we move the needle a few months down the road and things go the wrong way. In the military, in the intelligence community, where yeah, I come from, that's right, Poso's a fed. That's right, the feddiest fed of them all, the glowiest glow boy that you're ever gonna find walking these streets. Here's the deal. You come up with your most likely scenario and your most dangerous scenario. What's the most likely scenario? I hope to God that the most likely scenario is that we get a peace deal and that someone gets in there and actually is able to hammer out something with those guys in one room that sticks. But the most deadly scenario is a world war, is a war in which the United States escalates with China while escalating with Russia simultaneously, Taiwan and Ukraine, two separate theaters of warfare at the same time. That is Mearsheimer's warning, a potential global conflict in which the United States would have driven 
the two other great powers in the world into each other's arms and in an alliance against us. It should always be the goal of any American leader in terms of foreign policy to isolate these potential adversaries, pit them against each other, work to separate them, and at the same time, work to make sure that we are not casting about in the world seeking monsters ourselves. We should be the ones seeking peace and prosperity, not going around deciding to be the policemen of the globe. But of course, with AOC, we know what AOC would be upset about. She would be upset about the effect that it would have on not the the people of the war, not the victims of the fighting, the families, the children. No, because AOC is a spokeswoman. She's a spokeswoman for a special interest group. She plays race cards. She plays gender cards. She plays ethnicities against each other. That's what she does. That's what she's done since she ran for office. She's always done this. That is one of the best ways and one of the most obvious ways to destabilize our society. And I was just doing an interview earlier this morning in Ohio, because I'm going to be speaking at the March for Life out there uh, this weekend, where I was talking about this, that there is a reason that these people pushing their woke agenda want to destabilize our society. They want to destabilize our family. The Marxists understood that in the United States, you have this massive middle class, or at least you did at one point when they got started, when they started their programs. And that so if the middle class is already economically prosperous and you can't just go in and rile them up the way you would in China or the way you could in Imperial Russia with the peasantry. No, you've got to divide the United States along some other fault line. And what is that fault line? Those fault lines, of course, are ethnic, ethnic and gender. So ethnicity and gender. These are the ways that Marxism has come to the United States and tried to destabilize our society the way they've destabilized societies around the entire world every single time it's been tried. Because what do they want to do? They want to destabilize the society. And what do they say? They say the people running your society, the traditional structures of your society, like the traditional family. Remember, BLM specifically said that they were against the traditional family. The traditional family, which has existed since before religion itself, goes all the way back to the very beginning. We have archaeological evidence of the institution of marriage from tens of thousands of years ago. Why do they want to break up something like that? Do you really think they have a better plan? No. They want power. And we are going to make sure that they are not going to be in a position to ever achieve it. You know, a lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees, but it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than one year, Public Square has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. And here's the best part, it's absolutely free to join. Just go to publicsquare.com, that's publicsq.com, and download the app today. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. Can't always change the world, but we can change where and how we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search today at publicsquare, publicsq.com.
There's lots of investigations going on. So the UN is investigating, European uh, governments are investigating this explosion, and the United States is investigating it. And one part of one of the US investigations was leaked, apparently, to the New York Times. The New York Times is running with it, saying that this was a bit of private enterprise on behalf of, apparently, some Ukrainian or possibly Russian dissidents. There's a bit more of a strong thread with um, uh, Die Zeit, the German Die Zeit and ARD in Germany, are reporting that a, a group... Uh, with false passports, chartered a boat in Poland, sailed it to Rostock, uh, then to Christian Sea Island, which is near where the explosions happened, and they had divers on board, six of them. They had two divers, two assistants, whatever they're supposed to do. And when the boat came back and was handed back, it was a hire boat, there were traces of explosives in it. Um, well, you'd only check for explosives on a hire boat coming back from a, 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 a holiday trip if there was a tip-off. So... A pro-Ukrainian group. Now, I talked about this yesterday on War Room. Of course, we had some other stuff, other business to attend to last night. But this new story is out. Government of Ukraine is coming out saying it wasn't them. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. The Germans are saying, what happened here? And of course, the Russians are saying, we know it wasn't us. Obviously, it was you. What's really going on here? Who's the real audience for all of this? What's happening behind the scenes? Let me peel back the onion for you if I can. What happened over this weekend that hardly anyone paid attention to? Olaf Scholz, the chancellor of Germany, flew in to Washington, D.C., and he held a meeting with President Biden. But for some reason, when they held this meeting, they did not have a public press conference. They didn't come out. They didn't do their press conference. They didn't take questions from anybody. They didn't do the normal pomp and circumstance that you would see. It was almost a secret meeting. They announced it, but it was very quiet. Tried to slip him in and slip him out. And then just four days later, we get what I called, minutes after it happened, a press release from the CIA and MI6. And make sure that you hear CIA and MI6 combined, because this is the one thing and I've said this before, and we'll have Darren Beatty on uh, this Sunday special. We're talking about J6, but we, we might get into, into Nord Stream a little bit. If you think that this was just America, I think you need to start paying attention a little bit better because this was definitely not just the United States. The United States would not conduct an operation like that in those waters, the waters of the Baltic, without some information or dare I say, operational planning from the British, right? That's the way these operations work. So no, I don't think the Americans did this alone, and I definitely don't think they got the idea on their own to do it. I think there was British prodding. I think it was MI6. I think the British government, or at least elements within the... And look, the Britons got a deep state as well, okay? That's what Brexit was about fighting. It's about their Brussels-aligned elites. That's what was going on here. So where do we go from this? The message was intended for a specific audience. That audience wasn't us here in the West, here in the United States. We think it's silly. We think it's a joke. Why even put this out after Cy Hirsch has put his thing out? Why even say anything at all? No one's talking about Nord Stream anymore. We all kind of know what happened. But there is a problem. And that problem is Germany. And that problem is the unrest that's going on because of the loss of this. They were promised cheap energy. They were promised cheap gas. Now they've lost it. Guess what? That goes into your industry. That goes into your manufacturing. That goes into your output. Germany still has a manufacturing base. They didn't ship it all to China like we did. 
But what's happening now? Without lower energy costs, that's creating higher costs, which means German goods are no longer as competitive on the world market. So what do you do? Now you're going to start, number one, we're in the middle of winter, we're going into spring, but we're still in winter. Say your energy costs are going up. Gas for your car, petrol is going up. And those businesses, those manufacturers, guess what? They're not going to be doing as well. It's not going to be as competitive. They're already being flooded with Chinese goods. So they're going to start laying off people. People aren't going to be able to work anymore. They're going to lose jobs. The economy is going to suffer. And so they need some kind of story. Even a silly one like this, some kind of patina that will explain to them or give some credibility left to the German government as to say, why would you go along with this? And I think it's very clear. Schultz is going along with this because he's under the boot. He doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have an ability to do anything else now. There is only one place left for him to get LNG. And guess where that is? The United States. A little bit from Norway, too. But the U.S. is the big player in the market. It's amazing how it works, right? I know I say it here on the show all the time, but I'm going to say it again. In France, they have a phrase that when you're looking up a, uh, you know, a murderer, and Hercule Poirot used to say this, if you ever read any Agatha Christie, Cherchez la femme, look for the woman. In international relations, Cherchez la petrol, look for the petrol, look for the energy throughput, and you will understand. Germany was the audience for this. The German chancellor was flown in so they could get in on the same piece of music. Then he flies back. He's got to deliver that story to the German people. He knows the New York Times is going to put that out. They go to Adam Goldman, one of the Intel community stenographers. They say, we're going to get Goldman to, to write this up. And Goldman, we're going to have two U.S. intelligence officials on background are going to put this out for you. And when you see Adam Goldman's name on this thing, I mean, please, it's just so obvious. This is a cover story intended for the German people. And you know what? Like I say before, it isn't that they expect you to believe it. They don't expect you to buy it. They expect you to do nothing about it. They expect you to continue complying with every government edict the same way you complied with all the lockdowns, all the boosters, all the mandatory shots. They'll expect you to keep paying your taxes, They'll expect you to keep going along with the system because, oh, look, there's a new Netflix show that just dropped. Oh, look, there's another episode of Yellowstone. Oh, look, Tyler Sheridan has his new, you know, uh, his new video. Out. Oh, this one's about Tulsa. I got to watch that. And you will forget. You will forget about the thing that you were mad about. And the regime will keep moving and the gears will keep turning because the people and maybe they even have a protest. So what? What do protests achieve? What do protests actually achieve if the regime stays in place? Think about it. If they let you do it, it's because they know it doesn't have any meaningful effect on their power. But if you start using economic warfare, if you start using the power of going into the ballots, if you start using the ability to make your voice not just heard, but actually have an effective influence on the levers of power in this country or any of these countries, then and only then will the regime start to wake up. 
But remember, a regime in decline is the most dangerous regime. No word can be completely forbidden. If no one is ever allowed to say a word under any circumstances, then children never hear it when they're growing up, so they never learn it. And after a couple generations, everyone who remembered it will have died, and it won't be a word in that language anymore. In fact, the more people know a word, the stronger the rule against it can be, because if everyone knows a word, then when someone says it, everyone can immediately participate in punishing them. What is profanity? What are the words that are taboo? You know, somebody who... If you're like me, if you've learned other languages out there, you will start learning that there are taboo words. There are slurs in every language. There are words that are considered profane. There are words that are considered sacred. And, you know, it's interesting, by the way, you know, so learning Mandarin when I was learning Chinese in Shanghai, that I remember always saying that, you know, Chinese curse words, like they're, they're, they don't go hard when you translate them at all. I mean, did you know turtle eggs is a big curse in China? Apparently, if you call someone a turtle egg, that's, oh, you're a turtle egg. Whoa, man. Whoa, you called me a turtle egg. I, I know, right? I, I never quite understood why that's such a big deal. But apparently you do not want to. So just word to the wise, don't call a Chinese person a turtle egg. But apparently over at Politico, they have decided to institute a new list of banned words, banned words at Politico. And we have this by way of the great Amber Athey over at The Spectator, who's written an entire book, a tell-all, on Politico. In fact, we've got to get her on the show to talk about this. I saw her at CPAC, didn't get a chance to talk to her. It's one of those things. But we have the list and she's released it. Her new book, by the way, I want to tell everybody is called The Snowflakes Revolt. The Snowflakes Revolt. And so what was going on inside at Politico? So the whole story basically is that you've got people essentially with the sensibilities of Media Matters, the SPLC, Vox, Mother Jones, running around everywhere now and now finding themselves in the newsrooms of these formerly uh, prominent publications. So they're wearing those publications and wearing these institutions, wearing these brands like a skin suit. And of course, you see this all over the place. You see it at Disney, you see it at Marvel, you see it at the FBI. You see these brands that we all used to love, that we all used to think were great, and now they've turned them into something that they weren't because the people running them have changed. It goes back to Russia's old aphorism that an organization that is not explicitly stated as being conservative will always fall to liberalism every time. Let's go through. Here are the list of you can't say that the Politico's banned words. Mankind, man-made, manhunt, crack the whip unacceptable because of its origins in slavery. Apparently the only thing that was ever whipped was, was slave, never, never horses or, you know, anything. okay, whatever. Waiter or waitress, server should be used instead. Biological gender, biological sex, biological woman, biological female, biological man or biological male, illegal immigrant or illegal alien. Well, I think we knew that one already. Cakewalk. Cakewalk. Apparently, cakewalk originated during slavery and thus perpetuates racist motifs. I, yeah, I don't even know about that one. I've, I've never even heard that. In reference to illegal migration, you cannot say onslaught, tidal wave, flood, inundation, surge, invasion, army, march, sneak, and stealth, which of course are obviously all of the things that are going on right now on our southern border and also in the workforce across America. Next. Anchor baby, chain migration. This is a term that is used by immigration hardliners. Peanut gallery. The peanut gallery are 
the cheapest seats often occupied by black people and people with low incomes. And third world countries. Third world countries, it's considered too derogatory. The guide also warned that reporters should not say that a transgender person identifies as a certain gender or describe the current situation at the border as a crisis. Because while the sharp increase in the arrival of unaccompanied minors is a problem for border officials, a political challenge for the Biden administration, and a dire situation for many migrants who make the journey, it does not fit the dictionary definition of a crisis. <laughs> I, the dictionary definition of a crisis. Oh, we're going to the dictionary, are we now? The same people that want to change every single word in the English lexicon now suddenly want to use the dictionary definition. I'm sorry, what is the, I'm going to pull this up right now. What is the dictionary definition of the word crisis? Is there a definition, are there words? A crisis. A time of intense difficulty, danger, or trouble. A time when a difficult or important decision must be made. The turning point of a disease when an important change takes place, indicating either recovery or death. Guess what? We've got all of those at the border right now. And we've got all of those with our immigration situation right now. Intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. By the way, it's not just a crisis for the people at the border. Like this poor guy, this poor rancher down in Arizona who's dealing with murder charges because apparently he had a gang of guys coming across his land. Now they're saying, oh, we didn't like the way that he called 911 or the way that he called Border Patrol and said, look, told them to come out as quickly as possible. So suddenly he's a murderer. He's charged with murder one. No, we're not. We're going to go after the rancher, not the people that are sneaking. Our country is so backwards, not the people that are sneaking in across our border. Number two, by the way, and we know what they're trafficking. They're trafficking drugs. They're trafficking crime. And a lot of the people that come up, shall we say, they're not sending their best. Secondly, you've got issues of people that are coming across the border because of the situations they have to go through. They're bringing women, they're bringing children, many of whom are sexually abused while they come across the border. I remember someone said that in 2015 and got in a lot of trouble. But you got to understand, they're doing it because of the moral hazard, because we are a country that allows these things to happen. Guess what, boys and girls? That's not just a crisis. That's a mega crisis. But you have to understand something. What Amber Athey has done here is very important because what she's done is explain to all of us. They know the truth and they are deliberately lying and going around to make sure that everyone's on the same sheet of music. That's why Biden called Olaf Schultz in today. That was a superior calling a junior. Called him in over the weekend. Here's what we're going to say, Olaf. Here's how it's going to go. And by the way, Biden isn't the one who planned this because he's not the one calling the shots. The same way the reporters, the political aren't the ones calling the shots. He's just the one who's handed the sheet of music and told what notes to play. He's just the one who's given the script and said, read it. That's Biden. And now that's Schultz, apparently, because I got to say, got to say, Schultz, I thought you were the guy. I thought you were a guy who would stand up for peace. You remember early on, early on, it looked like he was actually going to call for peace. Gave that great speech at Davos, the only speech I liked at Davos when I was there, where he said, it's time for peace. We shouldn't escalate this. You're saying all the right things. And then suddenly Nord Stream gets blown up and he has to change his tune. Funny how that works. The same way that when people are reading these words in the media, they are deliberately denying you the truth. They know they're doing it. They're doing it on purpose because they know there's people out there, even some conservatives that will still treat 
the words of Politico, CNN, The Washington Post, and Wikipedia as fact, as true, and honorable, when in fact, they are the most dishonorable snakes in the world, and when they attack you, you should take it as a badge of honor. Ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore.